0: Stories in Numbers. Stories that will make you feel either good or bad, but in a nice way.
1: But not everything can be captured by numbers. We need stories to make sense of the world we live in. Cuénta, na Stories in Numbers with Michael Cañares.
0: Hello everyone, it's week three of Stories in Numbers. And hello Miko, would you like to greet everyone who's listening right now?
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stories in Numbers. Thank you very much for continuing to listen to the podcast and also supporting us.
0: Okay, so as promised from the last episode, we are going to do a continuation of the results of the survey that Step Up Consulting Services did for Tagbilaran City. But before we get into that conversation, Miko, you might want to introduce to us your research teammates.
1: That's good because I'd like to, at the same time, not only mention them, but also thank them for joining with me in this research project. So I'd like to thank Jean Celeste Paredes, our lead operator. She's also called HEADS. We also have Maria Aleli Antoni, and team, our resident data wizard. We also have Mary-Therese Pepito, our validation expert. She's also called the STEP. And finally, Marilou Episale, our finance and admin officer. She's fondly called as Lot Lot by the team. We also have, by the way, a guest social media guru for this research in the person of Maria G. Hansangil from Bigaspe City.
0: And of course, there's Michael Canares, the chief instigator. (laughs) Okay, so if we could recall um, from the last episode, we specifically talked about the impact of COVID-19 on the businesses and businessmen of Tagbilaran City. So for today's episode, we are going... And also businesswomen. Oh yes, of course businesswomen and men. So again, as I was saying for this episode, we are going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on the workers or the employees of Tagbilaran City. Now, Miko, you did two uh, research methods for this group of respondents. Would you like to tell us about
1: it? Yeah, so the first one was we had a, what I refer to as a rapid job loss survey. Mm-hmm. This is a survey that looks into how many are actually losing their jobs as a result of the pandemic, either temporarily or permanently. And this was actually done in partnership with the city government of Tagbilaran, more particularly the Office of Barangay Affairs under Mr. Alvin Luis Acuzar. Thank you very much, Alvin, for helping us with this one. So what they did was actually they went from one house to another to be able mm-hmm. to assess how many persons in the households who were previously working prior to Mm COVID-19 who lost their jobs right after. Mm -hmm. So this was done actually during the time that they were distributing the sacks of rice that the city government was actually giving Mm -hmm. to each household of the city. So the other one that we did was actually an online survey of employees and workers. And this was done online because of limitations in movement. So we're not able to actually go from one uh, person to another. So we broadcasted the invitation via FB and other channels asking workers and employees to actually respond to the survey. It's a good thing that we were able to gather at least 297 valid responses out of that process.
0: So this is for the online survey? Yes. Yes. You might want us to talk first about the rapid job loss survey that you conducted so this is the part of the survey where there was an active participation of the city government of Tagbilaran. So that was a very efficient strategy, you know, to do it during the distribution of relief goods.
1: Yeah, because it would be difficult to go from one household to another without any other reason, right? Yes. So we thought uh, together with the Barangay Affairs Office that we might as well conduct a survey during the same time that they're actually distributing the goods. Now, as you can see, we have roughly around 64% of the population of Tagbilaran who are at the working age population or or, working age bracket. So Mm -hmm. you can consider them as a working age population. So roughly that's 72,851 people. If we base that on the 2015 survey figures adjusted with an increase in the number of population or the number of people over time. So what we found out was that 6,844 of Mm -hmm. the total number of workers actually lost their jobs. And that's roughly around 10% of the total working population
0: age. Around 72%.
1: So what we actually found out is that there are some barangays who are hit the hardest. For example, we saw that Barangays Buoy, Kogon, Poblacion Uno, Poblacion Dos, Taloto, and Ubuhan were the ones with high proportion of workers that lost their jobs as a consequence of the pandemic.
0: So it's Poblacion Uno that ranks number one. In terms yeah, that's of-
1: around 28%. There was a big discussion during the public presentation because one of the city government officials was actually saying there are very few workers or uh-huh. there's a very few population in Poblacion Chibuno. Uno. But what uh, what we actually They're explained everywhere. to them is that denominator may be small, but if you have a large numerator, which is the number of workers that lost their jobs, mm-hmm. then the <clears> corresponding <throat> effect is that when you talk about proportion, theirs would be the highest. Mm-hmm. Because so, when you talk about numbers It's not actually Publacion Uno That got the highest number, number of people Affected Yeah, number, number of people with jobs lost The number one is actually Barangay Kogon.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's the, uh, in terms of number Yes But it was it's Publacion Uno Who has the biggest percentage of workers affected
1: Yes, definitely when we talk about the types of employment, the, the sector that these mm-hmm. employees belong to, number one is actually the service sector, those that are engaged in the service mm-hmm. sector. So more than 5,000 people actually lost their jobs from, from the service, service sector. sector. So that's practically... That's big... Yeah, that's the biggest chunk of the number of workers who lost their jobs. And next to that are those that are working in the transportation sector, which is roughly around 900 people or mm-hmm. close to 900 people. All the rest are in agriculture and fishing, manufacturing and production, as well as tourism.
0: Okay, so it's worth mentioning that when you talk about these um, people who lost their jobs, they were not anymore segregated into whether they come from the formal sector and the informal sector. I mean, like just as long as they have a job prior to the pandemic, and then that they have stopped working, they automatically become part of the count. Yes. Okay, Miko, moving on to the online survey of employees that you did, would you like to talk a bit about the profile of the respondents?
1: Yeah, so we were able to survey 297 employees or workers. A large proportion of this, 38.4%, is actually coming from government. And it's important to take note of this because when we actually ask the question whether or not they are experiencing job loss... These are likely those that they said no, because the government actually did not lay off yeah, workers, the but beast. they did some arrangements in terms of working from home or reduced time, for example. So others are actually coming from the service sector at 21.2%, education at 18.9%, tourism at 112 and others at 104 This actually involves insurance brokers, those working in the financial services sector, and so on.
0: So that's still 60% from the private sector, non-government, private sector. Yes,
1: yes, definitely. And almost 100% of these are working Mm full-time. And a large proportion are actually working for more than 7 to 9 years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen in the result, like more than 50% have worked for 4 years and more. Yes. Okay, so what are the respondents saying in terms of the impact of COVID-19 on them?
1: So... 4 out of 10 respondents are actually saying that their income is negatively impacted. Mm -hmm. 24% or 2 out of 10 is actually saying that they lost their job either temporarily or permanently. But a large proportion, 8 out of 10 are actually saying that their work hours are actually affected. But
0: not necessarily including the income. Their work hours are affected but not translated to also a reduced a reduction in income.
1: But you have to take note that around 40% of uh, respondents yeah, are actually having reduced income. Okay. So there are those are actually who had their workers affected also at the same time reduced their income. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about the sectors, it's the tourism sector that is severely affected by the yes, pandemic.
0: expected.
1: So 91% of those working in the tourism sector actually lost their jobs. So
0: it's like almost all of them are yeah, saying.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, 46% in the service sector actually said that they're impacted negatively by the pandemic, 25.8% from others, and 8.9% from the education sector. Mm -hmm. Now, it's very interesting, as I mentioned to you a while ago, that when we talk about government, they're not actually the ones that are impacted negatively by this pandemic.
0: Mm -hmm. In terms of income and other economic
1: factors, probably. Yes. Now, what is also interesting is that we've seen from the results of the survey, that for every one employee who lost his or her job at least 3 other people are negatively impacted
0: huh. so that's yeah that's a significant uh finding
1: yes i would say definitely because it actually talks about dependency rates. so for at least uh, for every one person at least three others are actually dependent on this person for financial support
0: mm-hmm. so like for every one count of employee affected it's like you have to multiply that by 4 so that automatically will be four persons affected Yes. That's a lot.
1: That's a lot. But if you thought about the experience, it's not always negative. No? The pandemic actually does not only impact them negatively, mm-hmm. because you also have seen that there are positive impacts that employees or workers have experienced. For example, 49.2%, or at least half of those that we surveyed, actually said that they had more time for their families. A quarter actually said that they were able to pursue hobbies. For example, gardening, photography, playing music, (laughs) and so on. While another quarter of the respondents is actually saying that they're able to generate other sources of income.
0: So that's good to know because they were still able to say that despite of what's happening, there are also some good things that have happened. Like, understandably, because they're going to the office Less, they have more time at home to spend with their families.
1: Yeah, that's true. But alongside the negative impacts, because we talk about lesser income, also we're talking about lesser work hours and job loss. Mm -hmm. We have also seen that as a consequence of that, people are actually having difficulty in buying essentials.
0: Yes, and because uh, of the closure of
1: not only the closure, but because they have a decrease in income, a consequent effect of that is actually losing uh, the purchasing power to actually buy things. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that we've seen, which is a little bit disturbing, is that as a consequence of the pandemic and also as a consequence of uh, the economic losses that the families are actually experiencing, around 20% of our respondents, and that's a lot, right? Two Mm -hmm. out of ten of our respondents are actually Experiencing depression and anxiety.
0: I think that's worth expounding on, Miko. Like We're saying, in effect, that COVID-19 has also affected the mental health of people. So when they say they're experiencing some anxiety and depression, what do they mean by that?
1: So a large percentage are actually saying that they're anxious of what is going to happen, especially with their work after the ECQ. Mm -hmm. Several others are saying that they're feeling depressed or anxious just by the mere fact that they're actually not able to work, not able to go out, and not able to mingle with friends and so on. You cannot actually go out if you don't have a quarantine pass, right? At some point during the lockdown. There were people who were bored. They ran out of things to do. They experienced frequent quarrels at home, having bad dreams at night, and also experiencing difficulty in adjusting to the new setup.
0: Yeah, so in effect saying that people really have gone through a lot of things like economically, health-wise, mental health-wise. So given all these things that people are dealing with, how did the respondents, what did they do to cope with the difficulties that they are experiencing?
1: So, you can see from the respondents' responses that what actually troubles them a lot is the economic aspect. Mm -hmm. Because if you talk about the health aspect, they can actually do so much about it, right? Mm -hmm. They can stay at home, they can wear face Mm masks, wash their hands regularly, sleep right. Yeah, sleep right, and so on. But they cannot do something about their loss of revenue. Mm -hmm. So what I mean is they don't have much control about it So a Mm -hmm. lot of the measures are actually reactive in nature Mm -hmm. So our respondents are actually They're reducing their expenses They look for other sources of income They borrowed money from friends and family They set up a temporary business Like making goodies and selling them they cut off basic utilities like water, light, and mobile phone subscription. Mm-hmm. So this is actually more about...
0: Managing cash flows. Yeah,
1: managing cash flows and cautioning them against future adverse impacts with the uncertainty of not having any job at all in mm-hmm. the next couple of months.
0: And because things are still uncertain looking forward, like they feel that they need to like prepare themselves for the worst.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: So as you were saying, people can only do so much in terms of what they can do about it. So understandably, help has to come from the government, for example. So what are the type of assistance that they are saying that they need from the government so that, you know, at least it could help them as they try to manage the crisis?
1: Again, the top three assets that they required is related to cash flow management. Mm -hmm. So for example, they actually wanted government to provide payroll subsidy to workers and employees. Mm -hmm. They wanted government to defer the payment of utility bills, for example. And finally, they wanted government to institute measures regarding lending and credit in terms of, for example, in providing low-interest loans. Mm -hmm. What's interesting, though, is that none of the respondents in the survey were actually able to get payroll subsidy. As Mm -hmm. you remember, the Department of Labor and Employment has this COVID-19 amelioration program. program. Or CAMP. Yeah. And then 0% actually of our respondents were able to get assistance from DOLE. I think that's also because of the insufficiency of the funds no, that Dolly was actually able to disburse. I think there were only very few companies based in Tagbilaran City that were able to get assistance. Mm-hmm. I think around ninety-nine or somewhere like uh, within the region of hundred. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a matter of fact, you have sixteen thousand registered businesses. Yeah. So we only have like two hundred ninety-seven respondents. So those that were actually part of the survey were those that did not receive any assistance from Dolly at all. Mm-hmm. Now. What's interesting though, that even though they were able to get payroll subsidy, at least a significant portion of the employees were able to receive economic support in terms of relief goods from the city, from government. The city government. So 90% receive assistance from the city government. And this is, I think, uh, one thing that we can credit Mayor Baba Yap, the city mayor of Tagbilaran City, for doing, right? Yeah. I think they had four rounds of actually distributing yes. relief goods mm-hmm. to all households.
0: Yeah, and even those who are staying in, like, apartments, who are not necessarily citizens, I mean, like, registered voters of Tagbilaran City, however, they are residents of Tagbilaran City, they also got a share of the assistance from the government.
1: But you might be asking why only 90% of employees yes, are actually I was receiving about assistance. Yes, why not all? Yeah, because there were workers that were part of the survey that are actually not from Tagbilaran city. Mm-hmm. So there are people who are actually working in mm-hmm. Tagbilaran, but, but are, not uh, are residing living. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that makes them ineligible to receive assistance from the city government.
0: Yeah, I think one of the reasons probably why some or many of or all of the responses did not get assistance through dolles camp is probably because they did not qualify because there is a certain you know qualification to be able to get assistance from dole and then there's another uh, form of assistance for another bracket of you know
1: but i still earth. think that the reason for that is actually insufficiency because if, well, you, if yeah. you if you talk about uh, if you talk about the number of companies that they were able to assist in Tagbilaran if, again if I'm not wrong it's within the region of hundred companies mm-hmm. but Sagbiraran City has 16,000 companies yeah. that's a very small amount well
0: there's really not enough funds to begin with
1: so yeah.
0: okay so we're done with the type of assistance that they need and what the actual assistance that they actually got from the government now they are impacted obviously economically wise however there are also still other things that they worry about and if when they were asked, what are the things that they most worry about?
1: So it's actually a mixture of both economic and health concerns. Mm-hmm. But the topmost is actually about health. So mm-hmm. workers and employees are actually worried about them or their loved ones contracting the virus. Mm-hmm. Well, the second uh, thing that they worry about is financial insecurity due, due to job loss. Mm-hmm. The third is increase in the number of COVID-positive people. Fourth is economic recession. And fifth is collapse of the healthcare system. So, if you look at these five things that employees worry about, majority, a, a large proportion of that is actually about health.
0: Health. Mm-hmm. So, like, which, moving on, um, if you talk about what they think the government should focus on in terms of addressing. The impact of COVID-19, what were their response?
1: So again, if you see, uh, it's actually consistent with the top things that they're worrying about. Mm-hmm. It's again about economic as well as health. Mm-hmm. But consistent with what we discussed last time regarding businesses, their number one concern and priority is actually again about health. So they wanted timely and accurate information on COVID-19. They wanted the city government to protect healthcare workers, and other frontline personnel. And they want the city government as to contain the mm-hmm. spread of the virus. So these are the top three things that they think government should be focusing resources on. Mm-hmm. And it's really heartwarming to know that workers who are not even working in the health sector are actually demanding from government that they should be able to protect health workers and other frontline personnel. Mm-hmm. For me, that's very, very sensitive.
0: Yes. Because it's for also knowing that, you know, these are the people who are going to help them God forbid, in case he would be sick and would need to go to the hospital. But I guess it's also saying that the businessmen and the employees or the working sector are one in saying that this is primarily a health crisis first. And that we should address the health concerns first, among other things.
1: I think that's a false (laughs) dichotomy. I think from my perspective, what the government should be doing is actually... Uh, at one end, uh, controlling the spread of the virus, but mm-hmm. also uh, another end, ensuring that the most vulnerable in terms of economic hardships are actually protected.
0: So I should reframe that by saying this is as much a health crisis as it is an economic crisis.
1: No, I, I think you're right. This is a health crisis, but it has far-reaching impact uh, than just being a health crisis. No, than, than just on the health of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, that is why we did the uh, socioeconomic survey. Yeah. Given all the negative and a few positive things that the employees have experienced during this pandemic, what is the main outlook, if you would say, of these respondents in terms of now and looking forward?
1: Actually, there are three things that we talked or that, that we asked the respondents in terms of outlook. One is. We ask them what's the likelihood for them losing their jobs in the next six months. Mm -hmm. The other one is we're asking them what's the likelihood of them actually getting positive for COVID 19. And the last one is uh, what's the likelihood that they will get depressed or anxious in the next six months. Mm -hmm. We've seen that, for example, in the case of job loss, 20% are actually saying that they will likely lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. 33% are not sure. So there's a high level of uncertainty Mm -hmm. there because I think a lot of the workers also are not confident or not sure whether they can still go back to work or their employers can still go back to business. It's
0: more than 50% of them.
1: Yeah. The other thing is that 26% actually are worried that they might test positive for COVID-19 with 43% actually not sure. Again, there's a high level of uncertainty Mm -hmm. there because as you see, these are the workers that are actually going out on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So they go out, they mingle with people, they deal with clients and Mm -hmm. so on. So you can really expect that they are very, very anxious about the possibility that they will be contaminated with the virus. Yeah,
0: it's like you get worried that you will lose your job. But if you have a job, you also get worried because you need to go out, you might get contaminated.
1: Yes. And finally, this one I think is a little bit disconcerting or I don't know. I mean, this is alarming because three out of 10, our respondents actually said that they will likely get depressed Mm -hmm. with three out of 10 also not sure. So that's like almost 60% 60%. of, or not almost, but rather around 60% of our respondents actually saying that they will likely get depressed or there's a possibility for them to actually get depressed as a consequence.
0: So this is like, this is another angle of the COVID crisis that it also affects the mental health of people.
1: Yeah, because I think a lot of the things that we do to be able to recover from negative events in our lives are actually not available anymore. Are also, yeah. So you cannot go to your friends to drink. Or to go to a restaurant to laugh things off, mm-hmm. or visit the church, or yeah, I mean, like, there, these are the things that uh, we normally do. I mean, like, to I cope know people, with, yeah, to cope with a certain negative event mm-hmm. in our lives, right? And at the same time, also, I think people are not able to go out anymore. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like to be confined with the four walls of a house. I mean, like some will have really big houses and big lawns, but we know that not, not all of us have the same kind mm-hmm. type of capacity, right? So if you're just confined to a small room with all of your siblings together mm-hmm. there's not enough space for you to be able to breathe so I think the mental the mental crisis if you like or the mental impact of COVID-19 on people is actually something which is undervalued you know, because, I mean, we don't actually talk about these things a lot.
0: As, oh yeah, so often. I mean, I,
1: if you look at, for example, at the newspapers, you don't actually have news about people, actually. Yeah, or
0: there are no statistics about...
1: Yeah, precisely. Mm-hmm. You have daily statistics of how many got contaminated mm-hmm. with COVID-19. You have, like, probably regular or weekly statistics of how many are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. But you don't have these types of discussions out into the open.
0: Yeah, not even discussions. I mean, there are no statistics. There are no not even discussions or venue for people. People, much venue, if there are any at all, um, to to cope to help them mentally.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think it's something that the people who are addressing the crisis should also look into. So, I guess that's all there is about the survey that we did on employees and workers of Tagbilaran City. So, again, if you could give us a reflection or any form of suggestion probably to the government or to any agency managing the crisis And as a result of your survey and what you think would be that input that you could give to them?
1: I'd like to speak about three things. The first one is, I think, something that I've talked a while ago about the false dichotomy. You know, I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, so <laughs> this is not just... Uh, So we're not actually saying you do this first and do the second. We've seen, for example, that our workers are actually prioritizing health measures over Um, economic measures, right? Are probably
0: more anxious.
1: Yeah, but it's not actually about, you know, just go ahead and implement the health measures without necessarily taking care of economic measures Of course, measures as that's well.
0: not what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying that you're saying that. But sometimes that's what we see, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what po- policymakers are actually saying. They will say, for example, that, you know, we have to really close the economy because you are not actually following rules and instructions mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so on. So, I mean, like, I think that's a false economy. So, for me, I, at least it should be because we have seen that this crisis actually impacted not only on health, but also economic, economic, the economic lives of people. And not only that, their mental health as well. So therefore, we really have to take care of these things altogether. Mm-hmm. Really have to make sure that our healthcare system is ready, but at the same time, also you have to have measures that actually protect the Jobs most of the people. Yeah, the most, especially those that are most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. The second thing that I would like to say is, I mean, just as we do with the health crisis by ensuring that we protect the most vulnerable, mm-hmm. that is also one thing that we should also be doing in the economic space. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're saying, for example, that you know, children and senior citizens should not be going out because the risk of contamination is high. So therefore, that we, sh- we should also be doing something of that sort in the economic space. We should be able to identify those that are most vulnerable to economic shocks and therefore institute measures to protect them from uh, further... Uh, Further uh, destitution. Mm -hmm. Because as you see, I mean, this is not anymore a problem of just job loss. I mean, we've seen, for example, that there actually has some implications on how people are actually eating, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if things continue to be as bleak as it is currently economically, then you can see, for example, that people will get hungry. I mean,
0: a lot will be starving.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and the third one, I think that this call that I'd like to make to everyone of us here that's listening to this podcast is actually to do as much as we can to support recovery. And mm-hmm. by that I say, what do I mean to say by that? So Whatever one,
0: good you can do to help.
1: Yeah, so like for example, uh, one thing that you can do is if you have a lot of money that you can give out to those that are vulnerable, you can donate to charities, for example, that are continuously... Doing good work in terms of giving assistance to the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You have the likes, for example, of the ABAG program or the Diocese of Tagbilaran, headed by Bishop Abet, that still needing donation. No? I mean, like, they're still uh, having a fun drive for more support because though they were able to raise, like, uh, probably around six million pesos, that's yeah, not yeah. enough. Probably it's about like two hundred thousand left to be able to take care of the most vulnerable. So the other thing that I would like to also to advocate for is uh, to support local producers. So we have seen, for example, in the survey, that a lot of our employees are actually resorting to different ways of earning income like cooking and selling things so for those of us here that are actually able to buy and need stuff Let's take a look at what people are actually selling and supporting them as much as possible. We should not shortchange them for what they're actually offering to us. (laughs) Ask for discounts. Yeah, don't ask for discounts. (laughs) And I think that's one way for us to actually stimulate the local economy because that actually puts more resources into the economy. And that, that actually does not only just provide money for those People from whom we bought the products from, but they also sustain the users of whatever, whoever is the one supplying, supplying them. For example, mm-hmm. if somebody is selling banana queue, banana feeders, for mm-hmm. example, they're actually helping not only the ones selling and cooking them, also but also the ones that the producers. Pro- yes, precisely.
0: Yeah. So I would like to repeat what you've said in the Abag talk show where you said definitely the pandemic is affecting almost everybody, but it's not affecting us in the same way.
1: Yeah, and therefore, we should be able to protect the most vulnerable.
0: Yeah, so just look around and see how we can help. You did a presentation of the results of the survey to Tagbilaran City, right? Yes. And you have also a dedicated website for the result yes, that people can yeah, go to. And yes, the-
1: that's covidimpactresearch.com. And we also have a Facebook page. Uh, you just search at Facebook for Social Economic Impacts of COVID-19 on Tagmilaran City. That's a research webpage there. Mm -hmm.
0: And if people, just in case people want to ask for more information, if they have questions, they can always visit the website or they could comment a question on Facebook and maybe we'll have time in the next episode to tackle questions.
1: Yes, definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. And there's also an entry on this survey on Bohol Analysis, which is your blog, and they can also leave comments there.
1: Yeah, that's boholanalysis.com. And one of the entries that we put there is about the survey of tricycle drivers that we did, which we will be talking about in the next episode.
0: Okay, so that's something to look forward to in the next episode. So I think that's about it for today's episode of Stories in Numbers. And we will see you again next week, next Tuesday.
1: And by next Tuesday, we will be able to talk about what is the impact of COVID-19 on Tagbilaran City's informal workers, and we'll be presenting the results of the survey that we did with market vendors and tricycle drivers as a proxy for informal workers of the city.
0: Okay, so we'll talk to you again in the next episode.
1: Bye. And bye. Thank you very much for joining us again this time, and hope to talk to you soon. Stories in Numbers.